Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Fresno County Superintendent Jim Yovino on the show. Jim attended both California State University Fresno as well as Fresno Pacific University. He has held positions in education from classroom teacher and coach to principal in Fresno, Dinuba, Central, and Clovis Unified School Districts. Prior to his appointment as the 21st Superintendent of Schools for Fresno County on July 1, 2013, Jim served as Deputy Superintendent. He was elected as the Fresno County Superintendent of Schools in 2014 and again in 2018 for his current term. He is a champion for all children by advocating for career, technical education, and the arts, as well as addressing the issues of poverty, intervention, civility, homelessness, and the importance of early education. This was a fascinating conversation, and I know you will enjoy it. Let's go meet Jim Yovino. Culture, art, music, show some respect to the best little city left in the U.S. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. Um, no all right. So, Jim, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Yeah, well, let me let me talk to you about eating because I'm I'm an interesting person around food. I you know I know there's poop people that love to eat right and love food. I I'm you know I'm more like I love to go out to restaurants because I love people you know and I love the the owners of of some of these restaurants and you know just the staff that work there and 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 you know so I go for a little bit of a different reason when mm. I go my wife and I and. You know, and we love restaurants. I don't know if you've heard of Sabor, uh, mm-hmm. Sabor restaurants. On it's on Fig Garden and Brawley, uh, Alberto and Santos, the two owners, and it's a small uh, restaurant. But I, you know, I love their food. But I, you know, I love them even more. Uh, and so it just makes it, you know, you feel like you're at home, even yeah. though you're at a restaurant. And uh, so they're 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 an amazing it's an amazing place for people if you haven't tried it you know try it out yeah so we we often spend when we talk about this with people we often focus on the food but we don't really talk about the ambiance you know because that that is part of the reason why you're you're eating there um is is for the vibe so what are some what are some restaurants in fresno that have good vibes well you, you know like of course max's is 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 you know i again I, I, I tell people all the time I go to eat because of the people, but that, that's a pretty cool place. The ambiance inside the restaurant's beautiful. And, and you know, one, uh, Jordan, that you may not even know about, uh, you know, one that I'm really proud of is called Kids Cafe. And, you know, Kids Cafe, as, as Fresno County Superintendent, we serve some of the most medically fragile kids in Fresno County. So we opened a full restaurant right here behind our office. Uh, I always say the mall because if you're from Fresno, it'll always be the mall, even though the, the mall's gone and there's a road. Uh, but we have our adult special needs transition kids. They run the restaurant. Uh, it, the, the food's great. But when you talk about people, oh my gosh, now those are the best people you want to be around. And, and what that restaurant's done for our community, particularly for those who may maybe have had some hesitance around uh, being around young adults with special needs. And uh, it's really been a blessing, honestly, to the kids that work there, but to the community who comes in. That's wonderful. I, I think I had heard of it, but I'd kn- I didn't know where it was or, or how it worked. So I'll have to check that out. Um, right behind our office. So right directly behind on, I think it's Mariposa now is what it is, but it, it's a, 
it's right where you walk underneath to go underneath the uh, uh, passway on Van S here. Uh, so you can't miss it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a cool little restaurant. Got it. So, you know, we talk all about kind of, you know, broad concepts. And I think one of the things that um, is kind of a, you know, a, a touch point for how one views education is, is how one views children um, and how one views their development. Um, and it seems like there is kind of uh, two schools of thought on this, that uh, one school of thought is that kids are essentially uh, blank slates um, and that teachers uh, fill them with information or whatever. Sure. And then there's another camp that kind of sees, uh, you know, uh, kids like uh, the statue of David um, and you're Michelangelo and it's down there and you're just kind of, you're pulling the marble off uh, to find this, uh, you know, this, this statue underneath. Um, where, where do you kind of line up on, on that worldview? Do you think kids are more blank slates or do you think uh, kids, their, their talents are in there, they just have to be uncovered? Well, you know, I think it's that that's a question that's really got a complicated answer, but I'm, I'll do my best. But, uh, you know, I, I here's what I know now. I mean, if you'd asked me this, you know, I'm, you know, again, I'm in my 60s, but, you know, 20 years ago or 40 years ago, but just all of the research, everything that we know about a child and the whole emphasis, even as county superintendent and what what I'm emphasizing is schools is really it's about preconception. You know, it's not about, oh, this child is now born and, oh, it has this whole uh, identity. It's really about, frankly, we know this through all the scientific research, all the data of, of what happens when that child's inside a mother's womb. You know, what about, you know, the, the actions of a, of a mom, uh, you, know, you know, prior to conception? You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even have thought about 10 years ago uh, saying, oh, this child was born with post-traumatic stress syndrome. But Jordan, those things are the reality of the, not only our community, but the world in which we live in. And that's an unfortunate reality. But those all affect that model that you were speaking of earlier. You know, right. is, it a, is it a blank slate or what is it? So, you know, I, I would say, you know, it's really about how we support parents. And that's why there are so many initiatives around prenatal care and, and that preconception to three. Because we also know, as you know, as a you know, as in your other job as an educator, it's you know, like ninety percent of a child's brain is developed uh, by the age of three, uh, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of things happening in that child's brain that it's really critical that we're providing as many um, enrichment things to to stimulate that brain when that child's born uh, through those first three years, so that uh, they are on that same playing field with every child when they hit preschool or hit kindergarten. Um, the, the good news is there is a lot of, of molding that can take place. And it, and it doesn't even have to be by, you know, their, their, their parents, so, so to speak. I mean, I think about, you know, I grew up with, you know, all my parents are immigrants from, from Italy. Um, the influence that, that they had on me, and, and I say, Jordan, good or bad, you know, it was a, it was a really good influence. Uh, taught me a lot about who I am uh, as a person. Uh, taught me, you know, you don't even, you don't always just learn good things, right? You also learn things that maybe uh, are questionable and maybe you shouldn't do or shouldn't uh, 
have uh, had that understanding of how words go together. Uh, my wife always reminds me of where, you know, sometimes, where were you raised? You know, were you raised in a barn? You know, and, you know but, but when you think about the influence of, you know, my parent, my grandparents came, they didn't speak English. They, they, you know, the way they spoke to me as a child, um, those things are still inside of my brain, you know, uh, and I, I've, I've been thankful that I have all of these other people, all these teachers around me that have helped me and guided me. But, but I think children have, uh, have great opportunities, but we can't ignore the fact of uh, we are different. You know, we are all different. And, you know, the perception uh, that comes along with that, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're born, uh, you know, of a child of a family in poverty, doesn't mean that those parents don't love you any less. I, I would say they love you absolutely the same. Um, but, but what we're given uh, in the beginning uh, can really be nurtured to, be, uh, to, to have that child go down a successful path and teachers play an instrumental role in that, uh, particularly when that child hits preschool and five years and they're starting kindergarten. I think they play a huge role. I, and I know it's a false dichotomy. People always like to play the nature nurture game. Um, and, you know, we, we all kind of emphasize one a little bit more than the other during certain stages or, um, you know, and I, I think about it from a curriculum standpoint, you know, mm -hmm. like sometimes you want to focus on, you know, a kid doing a journal as opposed to them writing a, a, a sentence frame or something. And sure. it, it, it's always a, a back and forth, but I, I think, you know, I think we all kind of have that, like, you know, we kind of lean one way or another. And I was just curious. Um, I, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, this is something that's um, something I think about a lot, which is the relationship between teachers and administrators. Sure. Um, you know, every, you know, every teacher wants, you know, likes their little kingdom in their classroom, but we all have our relationships with our, with our bosses and, um, I've had a lot of principles in my life because uh, I've taught a lot of different places. Um, and some have been great. Some have been not so great. And that's just kind of the nature of every job, right? There's great bosses and sure. there's less great bosses. Um, so speaking from your position, what, sure. what, what do you think the ideal relationship is between an administrator and a teacher? You, you know, it's the one, the same one I see between a teacher and a, and a child or a teacher and, and the parents of children in that classrooms. You know, we're all service providers. We provide, you know, I, I always try to lead with a servant heart and being a servant leader. And who am I really serving? And when, when you, when I, it didn't matter whether I was a teacher or, you know, an administrator, I've been principal, I've been in a lot of different roles. I always see my job as to support my staff you know, first give them the reason why, you know, why are we here? Why do we do the work? It's, it's not so much about, you know, how and what is important, Jordan, but why is critical. And if you lead, you need to lead that way. Uh, and then also be able to do this. And it's really hard for people to lead and then get out of the way. You know, don't, <laughs> I, I've got, 45 departments in at the uh, county superintendent schools office. I don't run those departments. I, you know, we set a vision, you know, with clear expectations of why we're doing it. But I, I think a good administrator does that and then allows their staff to do what they're trained to do. And in this case, you know, administrator to teacher, let them teach. 
Yeah. And I've, for me, my best bosses have always been the ones that figured out what was, what was getting me excited and then empowering me to do that um, at a, at a greater level and have a bigger impact. And, you know, that kind of interest in what, in not only their vision for the school, but also seeing me as a human being that has my own motivations um, and figuring out what that is and then figuring out how to integrate that. And it's a challenging, it's a challenging thing to do because all teachers are different. There's some teachers that show up for a paycheck. There's some teachers that want to change the world every single day. And so you're dealing with a, a, an eclectic group of people that you have to lead. But there's more than one way to your point. I mean, there's more than, than one way to teach a child. And, you know, even going back to the earlier question, right, about kind of forming and molding. Well, you know, as a, as a classroom teacher, you may have 30 different minds. You have 30 different minds of 30 different children in your classroom. They may all learn differently. And that creativity from that teacher is really important. And, and you need to nurture it. I, I totally agree with that. And find out where, you know, how, how they operate. What the, how do they see uh, teaching and, and give them the tools they need to be successful? That, that's, yeah. I, I've lived by that. It didn't matter what I've been doing for the last 30 plus years in education. Um, it's just a simple philosophy or belief that I've always believed in. And, and I, as you, I had, you know, I was, I started out coaching, you know, and, uh, and I, I started to model people, right. And, and, and then I wanted to, I, I wanted to be that person or I wanted to be like them you know, that it's the same with leading in your schools and that administrator who leads their staff. Uh, you know, like I said, give them the tools they need, know who they are, and then get out of their way. Yeah. This is not on the questions I sent you, but I'm curious if you were, you know, ta- hiring a new administrator and they're in their first year, is there any advice you would give them in terms of, uh, you know, taking that first step in leading a school? Absolutely. It's listen. <laughs> it's listen. You know, be a good listener, and that's hard for people. It's hard for me at times because, you know, we're all processing things so fast and we want to problem solve. I mean, that's kind of what we do. Uh, uh, but I, I say listen to them. And, you know, and there's something I do here, and you can't see it. It's on the wall. It's on the wall behind the screen. But uh, my, my desk is, is here, and every person we hire, uh, teacher, administrator, uh, they do their final interview with me. It's not really an interview. It's uh, it's more Jordan. Uh, hey, I want I want you to walk away with two things, and if you can do that, you'll be successful. And the first is read this sign behind me, and it just simply says, if you work really hard and you are kind, you know, amazing things will happen. And that that is true. And uh, like I, I when I talk to administrators here all the time, I always ask them about their belief in kindness, you know, frankly, you know, do you understand how important it is to be uh, that person every day? And, and so, uh, you know, th- th- that's really critical. Um, but also when I hire people, which may seem strange as I, I tell them, you need to understand, you need to take care of your family and your family at home uh, and make sure that you're, you're not neglecting them because I really feel that people who, you know, are good at home, are great in the classroom. And, and so we try to instill that into everyone that we hire here that, you know, I, I, frankly, Jordan, I spend more time here than I spend with my wife. You know, is that, 
Is that right? No, but I'm not alone. It doesn't matter if you're a superintendent or or any uh, person who works every day. I mean, you're you're away from your family, but when you are home, make really good use of that time uh, because particularly if you have children, um, you know, it's going to be a blink, and then, and they're you know they're going to be like mine, you know, 35 years old, and you know another one that's 30, and uh, and, and boy, where did those early years go? Uh, so, yeah, it's I, a, it's a challenge. And especially in the, you know, I mean, in every aspect of the education profession, you know, it's those teachers that just burn the midnight oil are kind of highlighted as, you know, um, as kind of saints in some ways. And I remember I was talking to this uh, teacher, I'm forgetting his name. He's a somewhat famous teacher from LA that was teaching fifth graders Shakespeare um, he wrote some books about it or something, but he would talk about, you know, leaving at 10 p.m. and getting there at 6 a.m. and just like, you know, there seven days a week. And I think a lot of teachers get intimidated by those kinds of stories. But I think a lot of the, you know, the science is showing now that to thrive, you need good sleep. You need to some you need some balance. You need to spend time with your family. And and once and and there are thresholds when you're working too much that you actually start working poorly and it affects your job performance negatively. Yes. And I, I mean, here I am 64 years old uh, and, and Jordan, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I, you know, I, I'm a product that goes back to again to the first question. I mean, I, I had parents who worked really hard. I had, you know, uh, and you know, we, we learned from those around us and, and, uh, um, you know, some of us just don't settle. It's just never enough, right? I just want to do more. I want to help more. I, and for, particularly, I think teachers who get into the profession, that's what they're wanting to do. You know, they want to make a difference in the life of a child every day. And, um, but there has to be that balance. And, and that balance is really critical. Uh, and that's why I tell people there's two things that you need to know when I'm hiring you. One, be kind. And also take care of yourself and your family. Uh, that may be like have nothing to do with the classroom, right? But right. but in my opinion, it has everything to do with the classroom. Right. And I think I think a lot of businesses and companies are realizing, uh, you know, we're kind of making this transition to, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of places are saying work remotely now. These technology companies, and I think the kind of the the philosophy behind that is seeing their employees as people as opposed to units, units in the, in the process. Um, and speaking of people, um, I want to talk a little bit about your journey to where you are now. Uh, so sure. can you kind of talk about how you got from the classroom to that office downtown? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I started, uh, I grew up uh, here in Fresno, went to school at Central High School, uh, ended up coaching, started coaching uh, while I had a full-time job, my own business. Uh, I had a mobile high-pressure washing steam cleaning business. Uh, used to used to watch I used to wash the uh, I, I'm pointing that way because the courthouse windows it's funny that I look out here and I, I see those little aluminum grates around the windows and I used to have to wash them and that's when I realized that I'm not going to be doing this for the rest of my life uh, but I and anyway I started coaching and yeah I fell in love with I because you know I was 25 26 years old wasn't sure I was going to college I went to college then I had my own business I fell in love with that. I fell in love with kids. I fell in love with young adults and just being around them. And, and, you know, it just led me down this path. Well, that if I could do this, then maybe, you know, why don't I just become a teacher? 
I want to teach. And, um, and that was the beginning of it. Um, uh, and then it was, uh, hey, if I can do this in my classroom, you know, what could I do if I could, you know, get into administration, you know, if I ever had a school, if I could have, you know, instill that same, the ideals that I had in my classroom. And it took me from principal, you know, through ass assistant superintendent, uh, uh, personnel to the deputy superintendent in this office um, to, uh, you know, because I, you know, to run for county superintendent, that's a whole other conversation. Like, that's the last thing I ever wanted to do was to run for office. I, I, um, you know, I just want to serve families and do the best that I can and serve kids. And uh, that's, that's what I tell everyone who comes to work here. You know, you, you work for the children of this valley. Don't forget that. Even though I may sign your paycheck, you're not working for me. You know, I mean, think about who you really work for. And our programs are really unique. And that is because our programs are not like a school district. You know, we, we serve 32 districts with our special ed programs. And, and you know, understand that though you're, you're getting a paycheck from the county superintendent of schools, today you're out in Carruthers, tomorrow you're in Riverdale, the next day you might be, you know, in Fireball or Mendota. And so you're serving those communities. And, and really, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of my path. I, I had a lot of influence, uh, influential people in my life that uh, really helped me and guided me. And, and, uh, but um, I, I, uh, I wake up every day and I love what I do. And I, I can't imagine uh, doing anything else. I, I, I love it. I love helping and supporting. And, and really, that's uh, kind of what led me here today. Well, thank you for that. And I, um, we're going to transition to uh, uh, one of the more fun segments where uh, I'm going to throw you some topics and I want you to either tell me whether you think they're overrated um, or underrated. You okay. can also say properly rated or pass. So if you don't want to take a stand on a particular thing, that's fine as sure. well. Sure. Uh, all right. So I have, I have about six of them for you. Um, so, and feel free to explain after you choose yeah. or underrated. Uh, so the first one is uh, rote memorization, underrated or overrated? Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I want to say it's overrated. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you, it goes back to what I said earlier. If you don't know why you're doing something, I mean, look, you, you can, you can, program a child to learn something but if they truly don't understand why they're doing it then it's going to be short term you know and it, it shouldn't be that way i mean I, and i i don't want to offend any math teachers but algebra you know for me i struggled with algebra you know mm -hmm. i really struggled with it and then kind of this light bulb went off one day and i started to understand it and boy uh that's why i think it's a little overrated yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it is harder to teach kids a concept and for them to really understand the concept. But I think just teaching them, memorizing a word or a formula or something and then moving on, I feel like that's the easy road oftentimes. And it's true that kids need core knowledge to do sure. certain things. And, we, and we, I think we both agree on that. I think yes. when rote memorization just becomes a tool to move on to the next standard, that's when it goes off the, off the rails for me. Well, well think about this. Uh, you know, I, that's why I'm such an advocate of CTE and career tech ed programs, because 
I, and I, we, I opened a school. I mean, SeaTech uh, High School, first time county superintendent's ever chartered a school. And it's, a, it's, it's based on, on uh, commercial construction, advanced manufacturing, engineering. And everything we teach goes back to that industry. And, and my God, kids love being at school. Uh, they, they understand the purpose behind, oh, well, geometry really is important. Well, yes, it is because, you know, you apply this to the work you're going to do. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, so next one, uh, me and Ed's pizza, overrated or underrated? Oh my gosh. I love me and Ed's pizza. So I don't know how, how, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, that. You, maybe it's underrated. I love me and Ed's pizza. So that's all. I'll just say that. <laughs> I mean, you know, pizza's great. First of What's, all, I'm Italian. What makes me and Ed's pizza so great? You know, I don't You know, I want to say, look, I'm, uh, me and Ed's has been around, uh, a long time in Fresno County. And uh, I, 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 you know, from a young child, I mean, great memories, frankly, mm-hmm. of me and Ed's. Uh, and it's been the same. Uh, I mean, uh, it's always the same. It, you know, it's consistent. And, uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I just, uh, you know, I love it. I don't know. I don't, there's, that's, a, that's an easy one for me. I don't know. Uh, but I love, I love other pizza too. So, you know, it's not, but I, I, have, I have asked everyone that question because I, when I moved to Fresno, I was very skeptical of me and Ed's pizza. And my uh, wife brought me along and discipled me in me and Ed's pizza. And I became a, a true believer. Uh, but it took me a little while because I, you know, I liked the New York style and it was, it was different. It was different. But now I, I've, I've, I feel like I have the answer to why it's so good, which is it on the reheat the next day, it, it retains all of its value. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like, it's like if they're going to, if, you know, if Elon Musk goes to Mars, they will bring me and Ed's pizza because they can reheat it on the spaceship. I'm convinced. You, you, Jordan, you would love my wife then because she, you know what, that's how she thinks about food in terms of the next day. I'm like, I can't eat anything. I'm, I'm that person who I just don't like they reheat food. But, um, oh, my gosh, she will. Yeah, she can give you a whole list of all of the. All the, the best food. reheat places. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next one. Next one's another easy one for you. Uh, overrated or underrated, the Cal State University system? You know, I think it's, it's underrated. I think, I think underrated only meaning that I think it's a great resource for our Valley kids. You know, how fortunate we are, my good friend. I always called him my president, you know, Joe Castro, when, when he was here in Fresno and now the chancellor. I mean, what another great opportunity for our Valley to be connected uh, and having that kind of advocacy. But it's a wonderful college system. I, I went through it. Um, you know, I'm a proud graduate of Fresno State and a proud graduate of Fresno Pacific. Uh, so I went to both local colleges here, and uh, I think it has a lot to offer, uh, obviously, to a lot of our students. And I talk to students about this all the time. You know, depending on what you want to do, you know, your career, whatever pathway you're choosing. Uh, but it, I think it's, I think we need to elevate and pump up our university because it is a tremendous resource for our kids. Yeah, and I, I you know. People talk about big government in California and the challenges of it and whatever else and our high taxes. But I always come back to, look, those those taxes go to pay for the greatest public 
university system in the world. And even, you know, even going to the weirdest Cal State, I mean, I don't know which one's the weirdest. I don't want to label one the weirdest. Maybe Cal State Dominguez or something. I don't know. The weirdest one that no one's ever heard of. Even the weirdest one is, is probably better than a lot of uh, these small private schools in the Midwest or state schools in other places because we just, there, there is such a, a kind of a, a baseline of quality um, on, in all our Cal State system. And I, and I tell kids that are you know, thinking about college and what they want to do, I tell them don't sleep on the Cal State system because you can go there and get an amazing education. And if you're really motivated, you can have some pretty unique opportunities um, in a Cal yeah. State. It's, and it's, even, it's, you know, Jordan, even beyond the Cal State, I mean, let's talk about our state center community college system. You talk sure. about a fantastic education. When you look at just in Fresno with Fresno and Clovis and Reedley and Madera, uh, those colleges, uh, I mean, as a young man that went back to school when I was sharing my story and I was working, I had to go back. Well, I was like, I think 10 units short of a completing my AA. So I went to Fresno City College to complete those before I went to Fresno State. I had four of the best instructors I've ever had in my life at that at Fresno City College to this day. I mean, Dean Peffer, uh, the most amazing science teacher I'd, I'd ever had in my life. Uh, you know, I, I, those, those are the people who really got me excited about learning again. And and even the, the professors I'd had at Fresno State, I mean, they, they molded, you talk about molding. I mean, I was a 26 year old, 30 year old guy because I went back late. Um, they had a tremendous influence on me. And, and the quality was, I mean, I don't know what else was I looking for. I was gonna become a teacher in this valley. I had, I had the best people right here. Yeah, community college. And, and that's where I think some of the best teachers are truly in the university system. Um, because that's really their focus. And I, I remember, like I was saying a minute ago about being an accidental robotics coach, I remember going to the community college in Stockton because I was totally out of, out of depth with everything. And this really kind uh, community college guy walked me through my robot designs, taught me how to mill things. You know, I mean, these, these people at these community colleges do a lot for our community and they're just kind of you know, we, we don't, we don't talk about them a lot. Um, we, you know, and it's, they're doing great things for, for our people. I'll tell you what you're, you, you know this, but the, the big push is dual enrollment, right? You know, mm -hmm. getting kids taking college courses at the same time as they are in high school. And that's what our SeaTech high school does. You know, our kids will graduate from Fresno city college a week before they'll graduate from high school. Now that's not easy and they're going to put in a lot of work to do it. But even if they kind of miss that mark a little bit, Jordan, they're mm -hmm. still going to have 20, 30 units of college credit that they would never have attending a regular high school. And that's because state center community college system uh, are really supportive of this and, and giving our kids that opportunity. So there's a, there's a, uh, a huge resource right here in our Valley to support our kids. Absolutely. All right, two more quick ones on overrated sure. uh, versus underrated. Uh, test scores as a measure of school success. Um, Is that overrated um, or underrated? Um, you know, test scores in general, um, I think, I think if, if you have all of the information about a, a child, not just, 
you know, how are they doing in math or how are they doing in English or how are they doing in this, then uh, if you have all of it, then um, I think it's a great way to, to measure. But if you're not doing all of that, if you're not ta taking in the social and emotional, um, you know, uh, the arts uh, as well, uh, then you're really not getting a real accurate measurement of a child. Um, the assessment piece is really important. I don't, I don't know, you know, because to me, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, I think someone, I remember someone sharing this with me. It's like, if you went to the doctor, because I was asked about assessments and, you know, are they really something that are necessary? And I would say, well, yes, and yes and no, but let me explain it. I mean, it's just like, if you go to the doctor and you say, my arm hurts, you know, they don't just, you know, cut your arm off, you know, they do an assessment, right? I mean, right. when we have children who come in our classrooms, we need to know where they are in the beginning. And then it helps us measure, you know, are we really teaching them what they need to know to, to grow? And then we have this final measurement. I mean, does it, is it a true reflection of the whole educational system in general? I would say no, but it is a part that is critical. We have to have it. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think living in a world without numbers uh, turns a lot of things into voodoo magic. And we need, you know, you need hard data in order to make decisions. Last one, uh, how to teach manuals. There's a lot of those books out there that, uh, you know, tell you how to, be a, how to be a good teacher. Are those underrated or overrated? Well, I guess it would depend on the manual, but anyway, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, yeah, I would say it's more too about the person behind that manual. Where is that information coming from? Um, uh, I think those are, they're, they're, they are a, a piece of it, but they're not the, the, the only piece. The, the real piece where real good teaching takes place is when you have in-services and trainings and you bring in people who have done this work uh, that you can, um, uh, you know, kind of, recognizes someone like you uh, those are the things that that i think motivate and inspire educators uh, uh the, the books are are good uh, but they're not the the the, the tell-all yeah so we're going to dip a little bit into kind of government and politics a little bit and talking about local control uh, sure. because it's something that is both uh, a benefit and a challenge um mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask you kind of a vague, uh, not a vague question, but a general question about it. Um, do you think local control helps or hurts uh, low-income uh, districts and, and students? Do you think it's a value or do you think uh, it could be improved with more state intervention or, you know, it's, 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 a, it's such a complicated thing. So maybe talk a little bit about what it sure. is. Sure. And first, just to understand, like, what is local control? What does that mean? And I say local control starts at the electorate. I mean, it's really where, where it happens. I mean, local school boards are elected uh, by their community to represent their, their needs and wants and, and desires. Uh, so local control starts with who you put in that seat because our, our boards of education really are the ones that vote on those policies in our, in our school districts. Uh, so uh, one, local control I think is really good because it, uh, it, it it allows the community to have a voice about what they want uh, so that we can operate here. Like, you know, Fresno is different from, you know, LA or Fresno is different than, you know, Santa Clara. 
at the end of the day, we, we need that uh, ability to be able to kind of mold uh, our community or, or bring our, our community into the conversations around education. Uh, when boards uh, and superintendents work very cohesively, the results are amazing. I mean, we see it all the time uh, in our community. So uh, I, I say it, it benefits, obviously, um, all children, not only uh, low-income children, but all families in our county. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about technology, um, you know, because there's been a lot of changes, as you know, and I know, you know, we're lots of, lots of time on Zoom. Um, and sometimes, you know, when there's big changes, I mean, I think about like, you know, I'm a history teacher, so I think about World War II. You know, um, I think about uh, a lot of women entering the workplace during World War II to kind of meet the needs that, the, you know, the manufacturing needs. And I'm thinking about how that changed uh, women's role in society. I mean, you can look at a lot of these historical events as changing something um, and then that sticking after the event is over. And so obviously the big change for us is technology, you know, um, and so I guess my question is, do you think um, some of these changes that we are doing to adapt to the pandemic will stay after it's gone? Or do you, do you see us mostly going back to kind of, I don't want to say status quo, but education as it was? Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a, a combination of both. And I, I think there's good that's come out of technology. Uh, uh, but we also realize that you, you, there's no replacing that human interaction. I mean, it's, it's critical and important. And, you know, getting kids back in seats is, is you know, a number one priority, obviously, for everyone. But there's also what we found is even uh, with programs that we offer, you know, one being all for youth, you know, we're, we're putting mental health clinicians in every school in Fresno County. And what we found, Jordan, as a result of using it through um, the computer and Zoom, um, it, was a, it, it became a huge benefit for some of our children who wouldn't open up in person. Uh, there's some kids who learn, uh, frankly, at a different rate. And if they have that opportunity to excel uh, and, and utilize technology, so I, I think it's uh, it's going to be a it's not going away. I just think it's going to be another uh, piece in our toolkits as educators. It's going to it's going to it's going to um, uh, take us some time uh, to adapt to having full classrooms and then maybe some of our students outside of it. But I think we owe it to our, our uh, students in our community to, to not get stale and stay, stay in one, one little box and say that's the only way that a kid learns. We know that's not true. And I, I think we've opened up something that's going to really be a benefit. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously the big piece is that tech, the technology is, you know, it's, it's great because we can reach everybody, but it's also very isolating. And I think yeah. that social, emotional thing uh, that that interaction when you're, when you're a classroom teacher and you're leading the discussion and kids are blurting out, you're telling them to relax, you'll get your turn. When other kids are uh, getting help from a classmate, you know, that's not happening right now. Uh, we're not yeah. learning those skills of conversation, conversation and discussion. And I think mm -hmm. that's very hard to do over zoom. I mean, any teacher that has had tried to use those breakout rooms knows as yeah. soon as you put kids in a breakout room, the screens go off, the video games turn on, and you just have to kind of jump from room to room to keep them on task. Right. And, and, and I, I agree with you, and that's why I, I want to just make sure you understand you know, where I'm coming from. I think, like I said at the very beginning of it, the most important thing 
in terms of learning is being in front of that adult. And not only that adult, but your peers. There are some benefits that we've learned as a result of this for particular groups of kids that you know, we thought were impossible to do. They're not. So, you know, there's going to be some, a few that, that it's going to really help and benefit. And, uh, but I agree with you. I mean, the interaction that takes place with, you know, a class of 30 students or 20, depending on, you know, what you have, uh, you cannot replicate that on a screen. It's just not possible. I mean, it's, it's not the same. So, uh, I'm looking forward to getting our kids back and we're getting a lot of them back right now. So that this is good news. Well, I've, you know, I'm one of those teachers that's already been vaccinated. So I'm, I'm, you know, my, I'm getting reared and ready up to go. Um, because I, I sure am tired of looking at uh, dark zoom screens. <laughs> like I'm sure most teachers are. Um, let's uh, finish by talking about some books. I like to finish every Sure. Um, are there some uh, books on education or leadership yeah. or something in that domain that have influenced you? You know, and I, I thought about that. And yes, there are lots of books out there. And I know people can uh, have their, you know, they're the authors and folks that they, they would uh, um, certainly gravitate to. I, I want to end with this, you know, really, you know, when you talk about influence, uh, it's about people for me, and it could be the author, but it's really about people and people who, who have really influenced my life. And I would, I would tell anyone, hey, reach out, you know, look for mentors, look for those who can guide you. Um, you know, my, my family situation is I had parents, uh, my dad was, uh, uh, had a heart attack when I was a, a young boy uh, in middle school. My mom became very ill. I watched her, uh, uh, frankly, die over uh, as I was a young man growing up. Uh, but I had a neighbor, Dr. Noel Smith and Gloria Smith. Noel Smith was an OBGYN that stayed in West Fresno, Jordan, and served the community here. He was a young man who came from Trinidad with not a dime in his pocket, enrolled into Howard University, became a doctor uh, and, and an African American doctor uh, in our community. And, you know, his wisdom the things he shared with me throughout his life as my parents' life uh, ended when I was younger. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I love books, don't misunderstand me, but I would tell people uh, really, if you wanna be influenced, open up your, your ears and your heart to, to anyone and listen to them. Uh, Doc, um, you know, always shared very simple things with me for being such a, a brilliant man. I mean, brilliant, uh, who really molded uh, who I am. Uh, you know, uh, so Larry Powell was another one, you know, former county superintendent, just, you know, two different walks of life. But at the end of the day, uh, they, they, very, they shared the same things. And, and the last thing I'll say, what's most influential are listening to children. Mm-hmm. Listen to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we started, I started an African-American superintendent's cabinet. They come in and meet with me. These are high school students from all over the valley. I've learned more from them, frankly, in the last four years, five years that we've been doing this, about how we can really mold education, how we can change it uh, and meet the needs of so many children. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, I, I, I love books but it's really the people who have had the biggest influence on my life. Yeah. Well, and books are just, 
written words from someone's perspective. And really uh, a good book is, is, is the same as having a, you know, Oh, it's not the same, but it's, it's similar to having a good mentor, someone that gives you advice. Um, I want to end on a kind of a tongue in cheek, not tongue in cheek, but a little light question. Um, And I, and I know this because I know it's something that you do that maybe is not publicized as much. Uh, Do you think dogs have souls? (laughs) Yes, I do. I love dogs. See, you must have did some research. There you go. Well, you know, my wife and I, we operate Halo Cafe. It's a, it's a pet food pantry uh, to, uh, help people feed their dogs that, you know, the elderly, the homeless, those who may have lost their jobs. And, and yes, I do believe, uh, that dog is the heart and soul for many families, uh, in our community. And so, yes, I, I, uh, I, I do believe they have a soul and, uh, and it's very close to mine and my wife's. I know our dog, we say we're all connected, but, you know what I and I know how important that is to other people in this community and and uh, and thank you for mentioning that because uh, uh, we don't talk about it a lot. It's just something we do. It's really my, what my wife does. It's hers. I give her full credit for it. Uh, there isn't a more loving, caring, kind person that I know in this world than my wife. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>